When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Welcome to Knife Talk, the weekly podcast for anybody interested in knives, whether you're a maker or just a knife enthusiast, whatever, whatever, we're here for everybody. So there's me, we've got myself, Craig from Chop Knives, we've got Jeff Fader from Fader Knives, and we've got Mareko Malmasi from Malmasi Fire Arts, the three hosts here, and as I say, we're here every Monday morning. So what have you been up to, Mareko? Uh, this week, well, I've been getting ready, uh, for this hammer in and it, uh, well, I guess <laughs> I'm screwing this up already. It's going <laughs> to, by the time this airs, the hammer in will have already happened, but, uh, I've been, uh, getting a bunch of blade samples all cleaned up and ready because I'm going to be talking Damascus. And so I want to have samples, uh, for people to actually look at and see, because one of the hardest things, uh, I think when you're looking at different Damascus patterns is seeing it in just a billet form and then seeing how that actually translates into a blade uh, are two different things. And so I have, uh, I think I'm going to have seven or eight knives, not all finished. I think maybe one or two finished. The rest are all just the blades. Um, and, uh, but samples of essentially all the, all the patterns started as the same basic element and it's when you take it further and further and further down the line, you can see how the pattern becomes more and more complex. So, uh, so I've just been working on that uh, to get those ready and to go have a really good weekend and a good. What about uh, what about you, Jeff, Mister J E O F A F? J G G G off. It's fine. It's fine. Sorry. Yes. Yes. That's fine. Sorry. I spelled it G E O R G. No problem. No problem. I'm with you. That's fine. Or it doesn't matter. Um, this has been a you know good week so far. Um, I got a lot of nose to the grindstone stuff. Uh, just buttoned up this set of ten um thin veggie choppers. I don't call them. I guess you'd call them a Nikiri, but I, you know what? I get to the point where I'm like, look, I don't, I'm not. This isn't traditional stuff here. This is a thin vegetable chopper that I did with Linton Hopkins, and we got Pappy Van Winkle barrels, um, and I stabilized them, and I kind of just finished them up, and they look good. I'm waiting for um, I did some watercolors for all of them, and then I'm waiting for them to come back from the chef to sign, and then I'm going to start sending them back out, and then um, I got a call from. Tomer from Florentine Knives. Oh he said that uh, he said that our um, our class, the minimum has been has been paid, so nice. it's going to happen. I'm definitely going to Barcelona in the first week of July. Cool. Uh, I was very happy to hear that. We had all these people who were interested, 
But then when the bill came, you know, some of them were like, you know, all of a sudden they're, you know, quiet. But he uh, he got them all. He got uh, the, our minimum, and now we're gonna get a few more, and we're gonna go out to. I'm gonna go to Barcelona the first week of July, and we're gonna make some knives, and that was very exciting. And then. I just realized that last night that I have a sliver in my thumb somewhere that I cannot see and it's bothering the shit out of me and I can't see it and I don't know where the fuck it is, but I know it's in my thumb and I know that I don't want to start doing that shop time surgery, you know, you know, I start digging around with an X-Acto knife. I don't want to do that, but you all know what it's like. You feel something and you know it's there and you can't see it. So that was, what I'm doing that was my beef a few yeah. weeks back. Those damn steel slivers. Yeah, those steel slivers. I tell you what. They're the worst. I tell you what. I got it. I can't see it. And that's the what's driving me crazy. Because I want to, like, get a little X-Acto knife, hit it with a little alcohol, and I want to start fucking digging. But I don't want to do that either because now I'm old <laughs> and maybe I can't see very well. And It'll work <sighs> its way out. It'll work its way out over time. Yeah, yeah right. What about you, yeah, Craig? Right. <laughs> um. I've been doing a bit of sort of experimenting this week. So over the last sort of couple of months, I've had quite a few inquiries asking for just table knives, just general table knives that can be used with every meal. Um, and I've always shied away from doing that because, um, I, you know, I'd want them to be scaled and, you know, putting a scale on them. I think, is the epoxy going to hold up? You know, what kind of pins am I going to use? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've never, I've never really tested it, you know, to see whether it's, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that's robust enough to be used every day. And let's face it, it's going to be thrown in dishwashers and all sorts. Sure. Um, so I've made a few up and I've been putting them through the dishwasher. So my, my, my goal is to put it through 50 cycles of a dishwasher and see wow. how they hold up. So I've, I've done a couple of different versions. So one is just epoxied. One is epoxied with pins. And the third one is epoxied with bolts. So I'm hoping that the epoxy with pins is going to hold up because that's the one that I can make quickly and, you know, I think would look the best because the pins can be quite small where obviously with a bolt it needs to be bigger. Right. Um, But I'm about three washes in and all three are holding up at the moment. Um, But, yeah, so, you know, a house with small babies, generally that dishwasher is on twice a day. So I think within, within sort of two weeks or so, um, I'll be able to know, you know, which one holds up the best. Um, they're obviously all stainless steels. Um, I obviously wouldn't put a carbon steel knife in the uh, dishwasher, but um, good man. It could be, yeah, it could be a new string to the bow. You know, just having these low cost table knives in sets of sixes, eights, twelves, whatever it may be. Sure. Um, oh, I like it. And, and cer- certainly for the restaurant trade, anyway, because um, as it's a de- there is a demand there. I've been asked a few times. Never done it, always shied away from it. So, yeah, I'm hoping that these are going to hold up and they're going to be constructed very, very simply, very simply. Yeah. Um, so just sort of 15 mil stock um, and the handle will be the same as the blade. You know, there won't be any sort of shape in regards to, um, you know, a thinner handle. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'll put up some pictures so people can see, but we'll see how it goes. And if 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 nothing else, it's a good experiment to see, you know, what will hold up in a dishwasher anyway. Did you say what kind oh. of handle material it was? Did I miss that? They're going to be G10. Okay. They're going to be G10. Yeah. Um, That's a good move. And normally, normally all my knives are wood, but um, in this case, they're going to be abused. I know they're going to be abused, so I think G10 yeah. is the way to go. What color G10? Well, the three I've done are three different colors just because it's just the G10 I've had lying around. So I've got a red, green, and a black. Um, but, you know, these are just to see if they hold. 
the actual final design, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, you know, that would be up to the restaurant. You know, we wanted to match their decor, I suppose. Yeah. Well, you know why I say that? Because lighter colors don't hold up as well in terms of staying clean. Oh. Like, I feel like lighter colors get dirty very quickly. Hmm. And uh, and also sometimes if you're, uh, who cares? I don't know. How do I know? I care. I care. <laughs> I just think that I, you know, I've done, I've done, you know, when you, I've done lighter color handles like yellows and whites and shit. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a disaster area sometimes. Yeah. And you, no matter how you do it, it's not easy to clean. You know, they're not easy to kind of make them look new. Yeah. You know? And sometimes like, I like, that's why I use a lot of, I like blues um, for G10. I, I push people, I did a couple yellow handles and God, I was scrubbing it forever. And they just don't. They don't look great. Yeah. You know, and if they look in it, what I, I just would, especially for a restaurant, I'd be like, you know, you don't want them to call you up and say, hey, these look so dirty all the time. You know, it's just because people are filthy and G10 <laughs> sometimes looks dirty. So they may yeah. come in all colors as long as it's black. I think that's that's the way to go, maybe. It's like, <laughs> look, there's a reason why all these companies use black. They hide, <laughs> so you can hide your problems. Yeah, right. Hide your problems in that black. Well, it's the super uh, this, fine scratches, right, that are picking up right. any kind of tiny dirt and oil and grease and stuff. Is that what's happening? Well, I might my, my experience, in my experience, what I think is if you go to if you get like a, a Wusthof knife, it's not G10, it's something else. Mm. It's like a composite material. Your G10 is layers and layers, is like fiberglass, is layers yeah. of whatever the fabric is and mm, the and, and the resin. So you're gonna have. <laughs> tiny micro perforations that's why a lot of people think that when you're after you carve the g10 it looks like wood it looks like a wood grain because because you're you're three-dimensionally carving through that that sheet of g10 Mm. so what happens is they're going to be these tiny tiny little holes that a little bit of dirt and water is going to hold yeah so that's the one thing i dislike about the g10 is it looks great but like especially for something that's going to be used a lot you, it's you can't get past the fact that it's not a so, it's not a flat uh, un, it's not it's a little bit on the pore a tiny tiny micro pores enough that you see dirt yeah yeah I know a lot of people so, use things like perspex and things which obviously aren't so porous but they just scratch right. up so easily I find perspex well that's why all these all nobody I mean none of these none of these companies use for their knives use G10 mm. just I mean what 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 professional uh, knife company uses G10. Well, especially it's going to be used in a, in a professional environment. There's also, right. you know, like food safety rules that go along. So a lot of them are uh, vacuum injection molded plastic handles. Oh, basically. really? Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They're injected around the the tang of of the knife, and there you go. You got your you got your Dexter Russell white handled chef's knife that you're going to be using in the kitchen day in and day out. And those things look filthy too. They do actually. Those, that's the funny that's why you part. Get the black those are like, ones. The, yeah, you got to get the black. But they they only sell the white ones. And if you go into any kitchen and you see those white handles, those those don't look white at all. I don't know what Dexter Russell is thinking. It's like, let's get the filthiest looking thing we can find. <laughs> you go. Well, going back to getting ready for this weekend, I uh, I gotta say I've been using my AMK a lot, and I'm really digging it. Doing being able, I think I said this last week, but I'm gonna say it again because flipping back and forth between that large serrated 12 inch uh, wheel and the flat platen, 
is super handy. All you got to do is pop the belt off, loosen a couple things up, and put it back together. And literally takes like 10 seconds. And it's been so handy uh, for cleaning all these, all this steel up. I've actually been making some steel too. Uh, a couple of new patterns that I'm going to kind of debut there at this hammering. And, uh, and it's been crucial. And so, but it, it, AMK is one of our, our sponsors. And if you go to their website, uh, anything that you're looking to get a hold of, whether it's an entirely brand new, full setup, ready to rock and roll grinder or different accessories, um, they got you covered with uh, a nice little discount that they uh, they want to help give to our listeners, and it's all caps AMK10, and uh, you just put that in when you go and finish up your order and get ready to rock and roll, and they'll get they'll save save you that little bit of money, and that little bit really helps any of us, all of us along the way, us, especially if you're just getting started out. Uh, but as an example, they have the AMK77, which is a se- uh, single speed grinder, and it's got that it's got that 12 inch. Uh, large wheel uh that spins around with the flat platen and actually the flat platen also comes off so you can do slack belt grinding uh they have a small but they also have small wheel attachments and stuff like that uh but anyhow just using this thing is super handy and very 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 intuitive and uh, i gotta hand it to them the engineering was is actually pretty smart and pretty creative so and what's the what's the website again? The website is amktactical.com. And so if you pump in AMK, all caps, AMK10, uh, you'll save 10% on whatever you buy from them. Fly into the DMs! Well, 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 here we are. So basically, the whole idea of sliding into the DMs is I'm sure some of you get these unsolicited emails from people or bots or whatever, and they want something from you, or there's, you know, it's a fishing expedition, basically. So we've <laughs> talked in the past, we've talked in the past from, uh, about, you know, Mareko had some guy who, you know, inf- you know let me influence, I'll influence, and they slip I'm in ready these DMs. For they you. Want, <laughs> yeah, they're, they want the free stuff. So you gotta listen to the last ones. So we decided to ask the listeners of Knife Talk Podcast, uh, why don't you send us your sliding into your dms who's sliding into your dms with some bullshit that's really what it comes down to so um the first one comes from bh knives and he goes i got one for you i constantly have these cam girls with fake instagram accounts sliding into my dms they say some bullshit and want you to pay for their private cams <laughs> every day i get one it's so annoying every day oh yes yeah it's like a couple of it's like they throw them out in like batches it's, it, it's just like some you know name and somebody's little heart and says hi or hi, i've actually hi, responded cutie. back hi cutie yeah hi <laughs> or i've actually responded to say what's up and i get nothing back there's no conversation these are like these bots it's super annoying yeah, yeah i don't even get i just those are automatic deletes because I don't even want to open the account and be like, is this an actual person? Or, or I've I've got like the ones that say hi, cutie, those get deleted auto- automatically. But some are just like, hi, I have a question. And so I'll go on like, who is this person? And you see that they have zero posts or one post. They have zero mm-hmm. followers and they're following like 200 people. And it's like, guess what? Delete. Yeah, it's so it's from ridiculous. now on, if you want your if you want your questions to be answered or asked on the podcast, you have to start every single DM Hi with Cutie. Hi Cutie. Hi Cutie. <laughs> Hi Cutie. Hi Cutie will get you on. I'm pretty sure Hi Cutie will get you on. 
Um, All right, this next one is from our man Chad at Mancrafting on Instagram. He says, my DMs are always scantily clad chicks. No, not true. Uh, I get at least two requests a week for a free Tumblr for for this or for this or that giveaway. I see. So people are like yes. tagging them, or is that what's happening? Chad at man, Chad at Mancrafting. He does. Uh, he makes tumblers, and he does a mm. lot of laser engraving on tumblers, like custom tumblers. They look I great. See. And so he's he's basically he doesn't make knives, or I guess he does make a knife or two. But he's getting the same thing everybody's getting. We're like, you know, hey man, you want to send me a free tumbler? These people asking for free shit is just like it's like an epidemic. Yeah. It's a total epidemic. Yeah, We've got another one from. Ooh, I'm, how do I say this? Uh, Takumo Sylvan, I think it is Takumo Sylvan. I like it. There's this cr- kind of creepy gr- group of typically older men who just send a random picture of something that they think is related to my work. Just the picture, no explanation of any kind. He doesn't know if it's if it's just him, but it makes him feel really, really awkward. Like it's just like someone standing staring at me, through, you know, through the window without saying anything. So it's either a picture of a knife or an anvil, or just something appears, and he's thinking, "What the fuck am I looking at?" <laughs> These people—they never buy anything. They just slap their picture into the DMs, and they just sort of lurk around. So he guess he guesses that they're thinking that you know that he'd be interested in these pictures. But, you know, surprisingly, he's not. I get that, too. People just send me, it's like, oh, you'll be into this. And it's like, why the hell would I be into that? You know, guns. I get a lot of gun stuff. And I'm like, I'm not a gun guy at all. It's bizarre. You look like a gun guy. Not a gun guy. I'm just joking. I tell you you what. I tell you what. It's not too dissimilar. I have people, friends of mine, send me messages saying, I have this great knife I know you'll like to see. Or I want to bring my knives over for you to look at. And all I can think of is... I, I see knives all day long. Mm. I don't want to look at your knives. I, this one guy's just like, yeah, I got this, you know, uh, he, br- he brought over, he's like, I've got to come over. I've got to show you this Damascus Bowie knife I got. I'm like, I don't want to see it. I, I'm not interested. I, I, I don't want to see it at all. He shows up to my shop. He, he shows up to my shop. The first thing he says is, I got it at a discount at a, at a, at a knife show. And immediately, I'm like, well, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not going to congratulate you for your cheapness. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm not going to congratulate you for getting some bullshit either. But it's like, I don't want to see it. He, like, lays out all these bullshit knives. I'm like, man, man, look, I, I, don't, I don't care. Don't send us this stuff. We see it all the time. I don't want to see it anymore. <sighs> well, the next one comes from our boy, Swift Knives UK. Sliding into my DMs. Here's a guy sliding into my DMs trying to sell me knives. <laughs> And the guy sent him four pictures of knives with a caption, Hi there, do you know anyone who would be interested in buying these knives for less than retail price? Jeez. They want it's like, it's like it, this, is, this is nonsense. Total nonsense. They've just done a search for a hashtag for knives or something, haven't they? and they just blanketed everybody with the same oh message. Oh, oh, hey. And they sent him pictures of these knives, and he's like, No, no, leave me alone. I make knives. <laughs> I don't need your knife. I'll just make my yeah. own. Yeah, it's like it's like we they think that just because the word knife is anything that has to do with knives, we we're interested. Oh yeah, oh you have knives. I'll buy some knives. How about some plastic knives? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Get out of my life. <laughs> All right, the next one comes from our boy Emiliano. Check him out on Instagram. He's Sun and Stars Forge. He does awesome work. But he says, great crafts. Uh, or somebody, sorry, somebody DM'd him and said, Great crafts, are you possibly interested in advertising on our page? When, uh, when Emiliano, Emiliano asked, what does, the, what does that entail? The guy wrote, 
we can make a post about your item for uh, a certain reward, like 22 euros via PayPal. Or it would be an honor to receive one of your crafts if you think it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to so advertise gonna... on your page for in exchange for one of your knives. Or Again, 20 or, or, or 50 yeah, bucks. Or 22 euros. I mean, Emiliano is one of the best knife makers in the country. Yeah, he's awesome. It's like... It's like you think you think you think he's gonna say, yeah, twenty two. You know what? It's cheaper for me to give you a knife than give you 40, 22 euros. These people are crazy. <laughs> These yeah. people are crazy. You know, a bit of an update as well. So this slide into the DMs, which I did last week, um, which was some guy who they wanted, they wanted like you know three hundred knives, and it was it was just you know it was all bullshit. Um, we've heard from a number of listeners who have had exactly the same message from that same person, and we, oh. we didn't we didn't name them last week and i'm not going to name them again um well i'm not going to name them at all um but if somebody gets a message which they think could be them send it our way and i'll tell you if it's the right person or you know even if you want to know who it is message us i'll tell you who it is but i'm just not going to broadcast it you know this this whole this whole thing what happened last week is this 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 is something that happens often and why we got reached out by uh jonathan porter from doghouse forge who said the same situation happened to him and they're using they're using the name of these properties that they're on or they're 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 connected to to try to coerce you that this is something good. And what happens is is it's really it's like it's it's a fishing expedition, and, and they're they're trying to like you know use names and name drop to try to convince you to do it. If somebody's not willing to send you an email, it's not good. If they're not willing to like send you an email, there should be CC'd from like some yeah. corporate office or buying department. You need to have. You can't just like. You can't fall for this shit, mm. and it's and it is happening. And if you get something that you think might be too good to be true, and you want to send it our way, we'll we'll help you out a little bit. I mean, we're not you know we're not Magnum PI here, but it, <laughs> at the same time, it's like. But this guy, you know, this guy was legit. He he works for this company. He generally does. Um, but what he's doing, he's asking people to send sample knives, that kind of thing, and he's just keeping them or he's distributing them to the to the kitchen staff. There's there's no way an order is going to be placed and you're going to get paid for your work. So, yeah, just keep your wits about you. If it sounds too good to be true, it's not going to be true. That's right, 100%. Don't be desperate. Well, and like Jeff was saying, take it to the email. If they won't send you an email, that's a big, but, uh, big problem. But it, email will hold up. I think legally, um, if if it gets that far, better than any any kind of like DMs or anything, especially with DMs where you can delete the DMs from hmm. Instagram yeah, or Facebook not... and stuff like that. If you if somebody wants to do something, do it through email. That way, it, it acts as legal documentation, and you can yeah. use and that against. Who's them. placing an order for three hundred nights for some big corporate via a DM on Instagram? You know, it it doesn't ring true. Doesn't no. matter. Yeah. We've got another no. from Boot Hill Blades. So this dude sent him an email, a Facebook message, and an Instagram message, and all of them asked what the price is for him. Just because, you know, just because we know each other doesn't mean you get some special price, you little fucker. <laughs> 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 he sent a picture, and the dude kept writing, what's the price for me? So he keeps bombarding him across every sort of platform you could think oh of. Oh, my God. Asking, you know, I got a special mate's price. And, you know, did, do you put in less work for a mate? I don't think. If anything, you've got to put in a bit more I work. Got a, I got a buddy who says to me, what's the friends and family discount all uh, the time? Yeah. Mm. It's like... 
Well, I mean, now we're not friends anymore because I can't do this. You can't keep, you can't keep doing this to me all the time. I, I mean, you know, can you you don't, you don't say the friends and family discount when you call the when you have to pay your rent, your mortgage. I mean, it's just like stop it, stop the stop. It. This isn't this isn't a flea market. Yeah, this isn't a flea market. Stick to your guns. Well, what's crazy? I've I've also since I was on Joe Rogan's podcast, I've had several people reach out and say, "Oh, I'm a friend of Joe's." Um, oh, I'm sure. So they're trying to name drop. I can only and, imagine. And claim, yeah, exactly. And claim that they're friends. Oh, with I can. And I, I can only first imagine. First thing I do is like, okay. And so I, I get a hold of Joe, and I'm like, Yo, do you oh. know this person? He's like, No, I don't. <laughs> it's actually gotten to the point where I'm like, Okay, I, I think after like maybe the second or third one, I realized like this isn't good to just be like doing this to Joe. I'm like, If you got anybody who's interested in anything, please like feel free to uh, you know do an introduction or whatever i'm not i'm gonna stop bothering you but i've 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 gotten several now and they just automatically get deleted now because unless joe is introducing me to that person i know that they don't know joe and um, <sighs> yeah it's ridiculous Can you imagine what he deals with oh my god imagine what he deals with so much oh my god <laughs> he loves talking on his podcast about the uh, the post and drop where he just posts stuff and then doesn't look at any of the comments just it's just I mean, if you follow his Instagram, even at uh, at the least, uh, he has thousands upon thousands of comments on his stuff. And there's just no way to keep up with any of that. Even mm-hmm. if you had an assistant, there's no way. It's ridiculous. And so you just kind of at a certain point um, and you just got to post things and just kind of walk away. But if you can afford to <laughs> take the time and you're a small person, uh, a small business trying to grow an audience, it's probably not the best move until you get you know, to where Joe's at. You can afford to do that. But but also, usually people who name drop each other are shitheads anyway. So it's <laughs> like, it's not like, I mean, if you have to say, oh, I know this guy, it's like, it's like, the, what is it? Why do I, does that mean I, I have to like, you know, pull my pants up and tuck in my shirt? And what, what, what do you, what do we have to do this for? Oh, I, I know that. It's a, Bullshit. Stop it. Anybody who tells you I know name drops, they're garbage human beings. But if they're looking for a discount, let's say they want a 20% discount. What are you going to say? Well, I can put 20% less effort in. I, I haven't, you know, right. I don't just make up a price out of thin air and say, oh, well, I, I can reduce that if need be, you know. It's, right. it's a price that, you know, takes into account the amount of work I need to put in. The, you know, the materials are negligible anyway. But it's, it's all about the time. So, you know, if they want a discount, that what you're saying is you want me to spend less time making this knife for you. You want me to make something that isn't as good as I normally make. And I'm not prepared to do that. Well, there's also some people can't control themselves. They need to have that like control of getting what they think is a bargain. Hmm. But the other thing is, is like good guys never quibble on the price. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, good guys never quibble. Like the best dudes I have, you just tell them what the bill is, and that's it. And, yep. and the, those are the guys you want to deal with. The guys who are nickel and diming you or all the time. Like I once had a guy, like we were talking about the. By the knife by the inch. I said, well, if I cut down, you know, he was just trying to nickel and dime the knife when we gave him the invoice. He's like, well, if I take off, you know, three quarters of an inch here or take three quarters of an inch here, you know, give me the discount. It's like, oh, fuck away off. It's like, it's like, I mean, seriously, it's, you're, 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 you're giving me too, this is too much work. This is too much work if you're going to be a dick. And with that said, let's talk about our next sponsor, Combat Abrasives. If you go, can I get a discount? Can I get a discount? Yeah. Well, we're going to give a discount. Now we're giving you the discount. Name drop us, and we're giving you the discount. We're the shitheads. So Combat Abrasives is giving 10% off all orders with promo code KNIFETALK10. That's Combat Abrasives, belts, discs, epoxies, stabilized woods, 
They have been fantastic. And the most amazing thing is all you listeners have been posting your stories with your new boxes of combat abrasives. So it's really great. I'm sure they're going to start to like, all right, all right, we've sold enough belts pretty soon, but let's, let's make sure we keep this ball rolling. You've been doing great. They're awesome. The prices already are good, but they're, if you put in uh, Knife Talk 10, I don't know if it's, it's all caps on that one, Mareko. I can't remember. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. I think just give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. All caps. Get 10% off with the promo code Knife Talk 10. Combat abrasives. The 36 shredder belts are ridiculous. They're amazing. I'm kind of stunned at how amazing they are. And, you know, all their, and their Scotch Bright belts are very reasonably priced, and all their belts are really good. And they do a nice job. So, some combat abrasives. Give them, a, give them some love. I got to say, even up to the 120, I've been surprised how well the 120 holds up across several blades to uh to clean things up and grind on blades because in my experience with life you know i've tried a lot of different belts uh and expensive belts and cheap belts whatever just trying to find something that works and the 120 uh usually you use it on one maybe two knives and then the abrasive's gone because it's already kind of starting to get fine and it just it goes away and right. and the the shredder 120 it it holds up pretty damn well. I can do at least twice as many, so like four to sometimes six knives, depending on how aggressively I need to go. Um, but it's pretty. Uh, this the shredders. I don't know who's making these shredders, but I, I'm pretty sure Combat's the only place you can get them, and they're pretty mm. impressive. I think they make them in house. I think they're completely oh, made there. No shit. And by, and and mileage may vary. So when he's talking about carbon steel knives versus stainless steel knives, you're going to get different. You're going to oh, get yeah, different results. Sure. But but the bottom line is the belts have been great. We've been getting a lot of good res- experience with them. Yeah. Um, I've been getting a lot of nice messages. People are pumped about the discounts. Uh, Mike DePel, the undisputed champ, decided to use his 10% discount and try something he'd never used before. That was a strong move. Um, also tag us and tag combat in your stories, and let's make this thing happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked in the past about... Um our sort of belt progressions. But I'm just wondering now, just just as we're talking, what, wh- how hard do you guys go on the on your grinder before you start hand sanding? What what's your sort of final grit? Well, I'm a bad res- I'm a bad I'm a bad thing because I go I go from the grinder to the disc sander. But hmm. I usually go to 120 and then um, 120, 220, and then I hit it with a Scotch Bright belt before I go ah, over to the pretty disc. Pretty much, grinder. pretty much the same as me there, yeah. Yeah. What about yourself, Morocco? Do you go uh, any higher than sort of 220? Yeah, I'm usually taking it to at least 400, if not six, sometimes. Wow. Uh, but the 600s, they don't really seem to be, they don't, one, they don't hold up very long, and two, they're not really no. doing a whole lot. And it's, once you start getting really fine, it's, it's difficult to get uh, an even cut. Mm-hmm. And especially if I'm following it with hand sanding, anyways, um, you know, I just try to do a good job at 400 and then. And then I moved to 400 grit sand, uh, sand handing. Hand sand handing. Hmm. Nice. There's your next t-shirt, sand handing. Sand handing. <laughs> but, uh, but once you go past like 120, you're not really cutting anymore. You're Now you're just refining the face. Yeah. You're not really grind, doing much grinding. You're, once you got past her 120, eh, after 60, you're starting to just kind of like, you know, mis- you know fine tune it so it's easier for you to hand sand. Starting to sound like. Well, I find if I go, if I go anything past, sort of. I'll take that as the that's the best compliment I've gotten in a long time. (laughs) No, it's good. Talk about sliding into my DMs. The big man slid into my DMs wanting a chicken recipe, and he ain't the only one. I have two high level 
uh, uh, knife makers sliding into my DMs asking for my chicken recipes. I noticed on the one for- day. I noticed on the forum you're putting your recipes up there now as well for your. I did one. I did one. I tell you what, I got instant. I got. I got. I was very honored to get two DMs from two awesome knife makers. They want my chicken recipe, so that's awesome. You can slide on my DM for that. <laughs> hey cutie, hey cutie, how do you make this chicken? <laughs> I like that. Hey, it's fine. You know, we need hey, a cutie, Jeff recipe of the week. Yeah, we could have called it. Hey cutie, how do you make this chicken? <laughs> Community Showcase. Alright, this is the part of the episode again where we give love to our some of our favorite people uh in the knife making community. And um yeah, it's just the people that inspire us who do really cool work, uh, who are our friends and you know, people who we want to help give a louder voice to. Uh so Craig's gonna kick us off this week. And uh who do you got? Yeah, well, mine isn't a knife maker, um, okay. but he does a lot of work for me um, as a knife maker. It's Bentley Leathercraft. So James at Bentley Leathercraft. Oh, nice. Um, he makes beautiful sheaths, and it's something that I've tried in the past. I've tried to do leather work, but I just, I just don't have, don't have the skill for it. And man, you need to have strong thumbs. I've got really little. <laughs> piddly weak thumbs you've got a very strong Aww. thumbs but um he does great stuff so we're currently working on um these sheaths for steak knives for this restaurant um and he's gonna do a bunch of them for me but I, i've had sheaths from him in the past and i've had these big sort of steak knife holders that holds four four at once um really really good clean work um he's quick his prices are great so if you're needing any leather work done um speak to james and that's at bentley leathercraft and didn't he teach Alex Steele? He was on a couple he of did. Alex Steele episodes, He was right? on – that's when I first met him because when I went to Alex – sorry, workshop, um, James was there. That's when we first met. Um, and that was when he was teaching Alec how to do um, – I think he was doing, they were doing sheaths at the time then or something like that. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. So he's based in the UK in Liverpool. Um, great, great work. So go and check him out at Bentley Leathercraft on Instagram. Very nice. Well, I wanted to give a little love to a friend of ours who's been in the trenches with us for a long, long time. Good dude. Our buddy, Ed Jits. Edward R. Knives, Ed Jits. That's Ed underscore Jits. He's down in Orlando, Florida. He is a good, good dude. I like this guy very much. He's also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. He doesn't fuck around. Watch him, watch him when you see him. Uh, but he is, he make, he's making great knives down in Orlando. Uh, he's doing some things that are really interesting. One thing he's doing is uh, he's doing this thing. I keep, he's calling it jeweling. I'm not 100% sure if that's the right word. But he's basically on the, fa- on the face of his knives, he's putting like a, some sort of little burr or like a sanding disc on a, on a, on a I guess on a drill. And he's bopping, he's bopping it and moving it, bopping it and moving. And he's creating this incredible, very machine pattern on the face of the knives. And he's just like, you know what? He is an awesome dude. He definitely needs some love. I know that. I know that you talked to him, Mareko, a few times, and yeah. he's a he's a he's an awesome guy. He's a friend of the show. He makes beautiful knives, and uh, I'm with you, Ed. Hmm. He's a you. good guy. I mentioned previously that I was a bit of a bit of a space nut, you know, space travel and all that. He's always sort of interested me, and he had some Mike Carter from NASA. Um, from one of the Apollo missions, and he Whoa. sent it over to me. So I've got—I'm going to make a knife with that as the handle. I just haven't got around to it yet. Um, but he's a really wow. good guy. He just put it in the post and said, y- y- "You know, to have have some of this." Um, Which part of NASA was it from? That is it from like the 
from Cape Canaveral when they um, when the the ships come back down, they basically take everything off them. They completely strip them of everything. Really. Um, so this was from the apparently from the very last <laughs> Apollo mission, um, which was back in the seventies. Um, yeah, I've got I've got some of that my Carter. So that, that's going to make for quite an interesting knife with a bit of a story as well. So I'm looking forward to that's that. That's a strong move. Sure. Ed Jits, my man. He's the man. He's the man. Ed, Ed underscore Jits. That dude is a solid guy. Solid guy. Great, great knife maker. Good dude. Good deal. I didn't realize you were a space nut, Craig. I, I missed that. It must have been in one of the earlier podcast interview episodes. You were talking to somebody yeah, about it. Yeah, I think it may have just been a chat that we were having, myself and Ed. Um mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, complete, complete space nerd. Nice. Love it. All right, well, my maker this week is uh, his name Steve Schwarzer, and he's actually also in Florida. I'm sorry, Steve, if you're listening, I can't remember exactly where you're located, but he is, like, one of the granddaddies of the craft. Uh, he was, I think he's technically the first master smith in the, of the ABS. The knives, uh, he actually helped design and set the standard by which the master smith set of knives are are uh, tested or kind of like uh i guess judged by and uh wow. and uh he's you know he's he's been around he helped with al pendre who was also from florida uh when they were kind of doing some of the experimentation and kind of working with Verhoeven to rediscover uh Wootz. uh he's one of the first mosaic damascus uh, guys in the country um and he kind of set the groundwork for you know myself and most anybody else uh who's doing any kind of mosaic work uh he specialized a lot with uh powdered mosaics and can mosaics uh, which is essentially building up a pander- pattern in a can and then filling it with powder uh metal powder usually like a 1095 or 1080 uh, series powder and then uh, and then capping it and just heating it up and consolidating it. Um, it's kind of standard practice now, but at the time he was definitely a pioneer. And so, uh, you know, he's just, he's been rock and rolling doing this for a long time and he's super, a super, super, super nice guy. He's, I, I've been, uh, I've been very fortunate to uh, befriend him over the last, I think last year and a half, two years now, he and I have been talking and um he's just he's super knowledgeable he's uh very open-minded uh he he's very i think unfortunately uh, there are some people who just get stuck in their ways and he is definitely not one of those people and he's always looking to see and learn from the new generation of makers and uh and he's just he's somebody that everybody should know about and i unfortunately only just learned about him recently and so uh, but like I said, he's he's one of the the, the grandfathers of this craft, the, the revitalization, the renaissance and the revitalization of this craft in the United States. And so Steve Schwarzer, uh, my hat's off to you, sir. Thank you ever, very much for everything you do, sir. And he's on you his- know that I was okay. I was going to do him. T- I was going to I he I almost did it his his as well. But the funny thing is a little crossover is Ed Jitz. Yeah. Went down to visit him. Yes. And he got. He got Steve Schwartz to say nips and titties, and, oh, yeah. he, and he, videoed, he videoed nips and titties, and he sent it to us. So uh, he is a funny guy. He's a nice guy. He's a super nice guy. He's been very supportive Absolutely. of us and me and, and you, and, and he's, I was going to do him. He was on the – he just spent some time with, uh, with uh, Jason Knight. He was over at Jason Knight's over the weekend, and he was posting about that. He's an awesome dude. You're, you're 100%. 100%. Yeah. Great guy. Insta-follow. Insta just follow him now. 
Yeah. Nips and titties, baby. Nips and titties. Yeah, and Nips. on Instagram, it's just his name. Steve, S-T-E-V-E. Schwarzer is spelled S-C-H-W-A-R-Z-E-R. But, again, we'll have everybody linked up. And, uh, yeah. Talking about nips and titties. If Sandy's listening, <laughs> keep your eyes on the road, Sandy. That car looks like a beast. Keep your eyes on the road. Oh, my God. Yeah, Sandy's, Sandy of Young Knives, so the, of the champion of nips and titties, just got a new car. You got to be careful. <laughs> Let's just – I could, now we're, we've, been, we've been hinting at this for a while, and now we're going to be doing something very close very soon with the New Jersey Steel Baron. New Jersey Steel Baron is a company that does uh, – that sells uh, knife steel, uh, definitely in the United States. And they are a family-run business, another family-run business. We've talked about them in the past. I've been buying my steel from them for a long, long time. I befriended uh, Aldo, who's the Baron, and his son Pete. And they are working on a new website, and we're going to be working with them um, to try to get some stuff for you. They also do very cool – they have good deals. They have a lot of steel – or if you're just looking for stock removal steel, if you're looking for stuff to forge, they have that kind of stuff. They have jacketed stuff. They have, you know what I'm saying when I'm saying jacketed? You know what I'm saying, right? They're going to have... The tri-layer. Um, tri-layer. Also, tri-layer, that's right. So you know, what I'm, when you know what we're saying. And then they also do a water jet cutting service, uh, water jet cutting service that I've used. I've been using now for a little bit. I've been, they've been doing my oyster knives. And I sent them a file... Uh, that my buddy Cliff did for me, and then we had to make some adjustments. And Pete said to me, "Well, just do a draw, do a quick drawing of what you want." I just redrew onto a piece of paper what I needed to be fixed, and he fixed it like fast. And his water jet service is super quick. Their minimums are very small. It's based on how many um, knives they can, what's called nest, how many they can get on a piece of steel. So you can get like you know one minimum might be like twelve knives. Uh, and that's a really good deal based on what your size is. Um, they do a great job. It's a family-run business, and I'm, I can't wait to be working with Pete and Aldo and all the guys at the New Jersey Steel Baron. Yeah, yeah. So I've been speaking to them this week, speaking to them this week, rather. Um, they've got a great new website come in where you'll be able to order steel in any quantity you like, from you know whether it's just one small knife you want to make or whether it's a complete run. They can take care of you if you as Jeff just said, if you just want a more water jet cut, you know, they've got the steel, they've got the machine to do the cut in, they can just send you the profile blades. Um, but what I'm really excited about is they're going to do a new deal with us every single week. As soon as this website goes live, every week they can have a new deal, which we'll be able to give to the listener, to you guys. So yeah. we really like working with sponsors that can give something back. You know, we, we don't want to just work with a sponsor, you know, just because they're a sponsor. We, we want them to do something for the listener too. So the guys at New Jersey Steel Baron, they're all over this. So they're going to have a new deal for you every week. So whether that's trying out a new steel or they'll have some sort of bulk discounts, every week we'll have a new deal for you. They're yeah. great. They're, I mean, they're, they're the gold standard in the United States, that's for sure. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> We've had people slipping into our DMs. We've had lots of questions again this hey, week. Hey, cutie. Hey, cutie. Hey, can cutie. I ask you a question? <laughs> <laughs> I'll start off with the first one from JH Forgeworks. Uh, when taking knife orders, how do you handle customers with zero knife knowledge? Seems everyone that asks me to make a knife for them answers every design question with, I don't know. Especially when asking about chef knife shapes, handle styles, steel handle materials, that kind of thing. I used to get this a lot. I used to get a um, – basically I had a, like a template made of an email saying, you know, um, 
you know, what sort of size do you want? You know, your hands are normally big, abnormally small, that kind of thing. Just so I can get a rough idea of the kind of thing that they wanted. Um, and most of the time it's getting the same bat. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I've changed the way I work slightly where I have almost like set patterns now and people just pick what they want and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put on different handles, that kind of thing, um, which seems to be a, a little bit better. But, you know, when it's completely custom, generally people know what they want. But if you're not giving people an option of just a standard knife that they can buy, I think you're always going to get that customer who, you know, their only option is to get a custom knife, but they don't really know what they want. Um, so it's difficult. But as the way I overcome that is by having a range of sort of set knives. And they can say, can I have that one with a red handle, for example? And it's like, yep, you're mm-hmm. done. Like, we can get that over and done with. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I always have a tendency. Uh, I, I actually have kind of a, 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 God, I can't think right now. Uh, the email that you send, the kind of blanket email that has asks the same questions, you know, what kind of handle material, what blade shape, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I've actually changed that in the last a uh, couple years though to add um, that if they have any uh, photos that they'd like to add as well of knives they've seen or or uh, knives that they do use already because that is the big question a lot of people ask is like mm. well I'm getting a custom handmade knife I have to get a certain handle style or blade style and I'm just like no 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 what you want is to have something built that you're gonna be excited to use because you're familiar with it in a way and so I ask them, you know, what what kind of knife are you using already? What like maybe if they have a drawer block or a, a countertop block, you know, what's the knife that you go? What's your go-to knife? We're gonna do that knife, but custom. You you know, you pick out the pattern. Uh, maybe you wish the knife was a little longer, or maybe a little shorter. Maybe you wish the handle was a little bulkier. Maybe you like this style of wood. Those are the things where and start having that conversation, and then that helps warm them up because otherwise it's too abstract. But once you link it to mm-hmm. something that they're already familiar with, then that helps keep that ball rolling and really helps expedite that conversation. Yeah. You've got like a reference point that you can, yeah, exactly. you can go back yeah. and forth. Yeah, for sure. But it's also a great way for you to educate your customer and kind of like suss out what they want. Usually for, sure. for me, the, the question is always stainless versus carbon. And I would say that most of my customers do not know the difference between stainless steel and carbon steel. And I think that it's a really great opportunity for you to kind of be as efficient as possible in how you communicate to your staff or your your customers and try to get them into the knife that they want. You know, this is your – you're you're almost better at them not knowing because then you can kind of steer them in the right direction. Sure. The carbon steel, stainless steel is tricky because a lot of these people don't realize exactly what goes into the carbon steel. And no matter what you say – they're still not going to really get it. So right. um, I think that it's super important to you know, be able to be as efficient in your words and explanations as possible. And then what's going to happen is you're going to be more – you're going to understand what people want too. Yeah. Like I am always surprised that I definitely – my customers, I would say 90% of my customers want stainless steel just because that's what they're used to. And my personal opinion is I want you to have what you're used to or what you want. I don't want you to be intimidated. So I think that you have a a real great opportunity to kind of like, you know, impress upon yourself uh, exactly what they want, but also make them feel comfortable with with what they're getting. For sure. With regards to sort of stainless or carbon, I've got a video up on my (laughs) site and it does sort of two things. So it's it's a knife care video. So it, it tells people how to care for their knives it's only a five minute thing so they can see you know what you should be doing and so on Um, but it also explains the differences between carbon and stainless so it sort of does both of those things for me um 
and you know people can see the difference you know i talk about the difference you know the, the care difference that you need for them and it tends to work really well so maybe that's something you could do you just make a sort of five minute video and you can just point people in that direction and it sort of gets them thinking and, and it, those those first introductory questions they, they, they've got them sorting that they know the answers to them that's sort of, that's a good idea that's i think we're Tony and I have been talking about doing that lately just because it'll, it'll cut down a lot of the questions being asked is to do little videos. It's a, good, a great idea, man. Yeah. The next one comes from Ragged Raven Forge. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? I've been playing with Hamones but can't seem to really get exciting designs. Do you guys have any tips or tricks with clay placement on blades and how thick do you coat it and how much the blade do you coat? Mm-hmm. I don't at all. But I know that I've seen a great video. and It was a Walter Sorrell's video talking about hormones, and it sure. was great. So maybe take a look at his video. But personally, I have no advice there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, please. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not going to have much more than that. My, my first question it would be, uh, are you w- using a steel that can take a hormone? Because there are steels that can take a hormone very readily, and there are steels that will never take a hormone. Why? And really quick, to talk, just some quick definitions. Uh, when I'm talking about a hormone, I'm talking about a very active, kind of wavy differential hardening line that's going down the blade. Um, you, you know, most steels, almost I think pretty much all steels, you can get a differential hardening line, but that's usually just one kind of smooth swoop straight line paralleling the cutting edge all the way up down or all the way down the blade when i'm talking about hormone i'm talking about something that's very active kind of wavy and cross hatchy if you go check out uh yeah greg sims on his instagram he does insane hormones um and you know so my first question would be what steel are you working with and if you're if you're trying to figure that out you know W2, 1095, W1, uh, some 1075 steels, depending on, I think Aldo actually at New Jersey Steel Baron sells a 1075 that has a low manganese content, which makes it a shallow hardening steel that therefore allows it to take, readily take a hormone very easily, actually. So, um... And that's what you, that's basically what you want, generally speaking. You want a steel that is shallow hardening, that you have to quench within basically about half a second. Um, you got to get from whatever you're at, 1425, 1475, all the way down below like 900 degrees in about half a second. And so, um, but then after that, thick, it depends on how you're heating up the blade. If you want to do thick stuff or thin stuff, how's, how's the clay? Uh, like it's tricky because the clay can do two things. It can insulate the blade from getting hot or so as if you're doing it out of the forge, then only the exposed portions of the blade are getting hot. And therefore, when you go to quench it, those, the part of the blade that has actually gotten above the austenitizing temperature, then quench down and convert into martensite. Versus if you do a thin layer, then what you're trying to do is you're bringing the whole blade and all the clay and everything up to the same temperature. And then when you go to quench, the clay is insulating the blade again, but it's retaining heat while the exposed portions are quenching and getting co- and cooling and transforming into martensite, while the other stuff is not because it's a shallow hardening, it's not getting below that uh, 900 degree uh, target range. 
in enough time and therefore that portion of the steel that's been insulated doesn't harden it it, it has it, it's, it's a different hardening or it's it's just softer material and so mm. but depending on your approach uh you want uh different thicknesses and i i usually opt for the second approach where you're bringing everything up and then quenching and insulating and keeping the blade like the spine portion hot while the rest of it's cooling down um and when i'm doing that i'm only looking for maybe a 16th of an inch uh, thickness. Uh, people who are really killing the Hamon game, though, uh, are Will Morrison in Australia. I was about to say, he, that dude's insane. He fucking blows my mind. Uh, Greg Sims, and uh, fuck, of course, there's one more guy. I would love to say who he is. I cannot think of his name. Uh, you got two good ones. You got two good yeah, ones. I'll dig them up. You got but, two uh, good ones. Yeah, both of those guys, check out, go through their Instagram. They have pictures of before and after quenching. Get an idea, looking at their work, um, how thick of a clay, uh, how thick you want the clay. But I'm going to say 16th of an inch is pretty safe bet. Now, this was a mind blower, and I just well, let's just go a little bit more into it. Now, would you suggest, and I've, I've, I've only fooled around with it a couple times, they got sick of it. Two questions. Yeah. What type of cement would you use? I said cement, so I'm, I'm, I, got, I got the furnace cement already. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what type of clay would you use? It's surprising. You can use a lot of different stuff to set a hamon. I mean, you can go to Home Depot or your local hardware store and get uh, fireplace uh, to, like furnace cement. Furnace yeah, cement. Yeah, refractory a, cement. Yeah, and it's in a tube and essentially just kind of <laughs> like a ketchup bottle onto <laughs> your blade, and that will do some work. Now, it's, it, it's not optimal. Um, but it, it will definitely work. I've, I've actually gotten really active hormones using, uh, like Rutland's, uh, furnace cement, but a lot of the super professionals, uh, are using like Saint, like Will Morris used Saint Knight, um, which is a super fine refract, refractory cement, um, that's used for building kilns and stuff like that. Um, and it it also does a really good job, but there's there's a pretty wide spectrum. But you know the Rutlands works. The the other guys here at the shop here at Dragon's Breath Forge they also use the Rutlands, and the Rutland works. Um, it's if you want to get really crazy stuff, then you got to kind of um, you, you got to play with nicer material like cement material as well as playing with how thin or thick the clay layer is on the blade. Um, Next question. Full We're gonna get one lesson. last thing. No, no, this is good. This is the this is the this is the good one now. Now, if you're if someone who is edge quenching their knife, are you also gonna get an active hormone or are you gonna get a hormone just edge quenching a knife? So does it still have clay on it? No. No clay. These guys, these guys, they they edge quench their knives without any clay. Are they getting a, are that will they be getting a hormone? I mean, if you're not if you're not if you're not convert if you're not quenching the spine of your knife, you you will get a differential hardening line. Like I was saying before, like it's same thing as if you're uh, torch heat treating your blade. You're only heating up a certain portion and then quenching it. What you're talking about is you're heating up the whole blade, but then you're only cooling down a certain portion of the blade. Right. Um, but I wouldn't. I still would not consider that necessarily a hormone. I would call that a differentially hardened blade, uh, because nice. I think, uh, the hormone really is the intention of applying clay uh, and to create the differentially hardened activity on your steel in your blade. Fucking but good. I'm not the expert. 
Uh, ah, it's pretty good. I'm, hey. I'm chair experting right now. I'll, t- I'll tell you. Uh, that's a, that's <laughs> uh, about as good as it's going to get. Guys, I don't think we, I've been waiting for someone to talk about Hamones one day. And just, just for everybody's edification, if somebody says, if somebody calls it a temper line, walk, turn around. Don't, don't even talk to them. If they refer to it as a temper line, walk the fuck away. What you if cannot they, trust this person. What if they fake one with mustard? Is, is that still a, a hormone? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do, if, if somebody says, I want something with, I want a uh, lot of activity on that temper line, they're sliding into your DMs with some bullshit. <laughs> don't trust them. Miracle, that was it, man. That was fucking awesome. Fucking awesome. Great. Oh, man, that was awesome. Ammo, baby. All right. Perfecto. Yeah. All right. Our next one is from our boy Pellegrino Cutlery. I keep saying, everybody I keep reading off, I'm like, oh, this is our homie. Uh, yeah, dude, we have a community here. Yeah, that's We have true. a community of, of listeners. He says, actually, he says, hey, cutie pie, I have a question. Says, <laughs> <laughs> Content versus craft. How do other makers balance posting their work on in IG uh, with actual focus, uh, while actually focusing on crafting and growing as a smith, uh, equally, what is the longevity of Instagram? Um, I think, uh, let's see. I think it's been it's going to become very important to connect with customers differently in the future as we sink deeper into the IG algorithm matrix. Long time listener, first time. He says caller, but he's texting us really. No, that's an old that's an old talk show. <laughs> know, Long time listener, yeah. first time caller. Love that. Good question. Uh, good, good question. Good question. Yeah, there's a lot in there. Who wants to start? Um, I tell you what. I tell you. Go ahead. No, you go, Jeff. You go. Go. <laughs> go ahead, Craigie. Come on, Craig. With regards to content versus craft, I, we've talked about this in the past, haven't we? How, you know, how do you get a story across as opposed to just this is a picture of a knife? Um, and I can I mean, particularly on Instagram, because you're limited to your, you know, your description that you can put. And let's face it, nobody's reading a long description on Instagram anyway. Um, you can't really link out from a post, you know, to a, a longer form, whether it's a blog post or whatever it may be. Um, you can only have that one link, which is obviously going to be your main website anyway in your, in your bio. So it, it's really difficult. But, you know, I, Jeff does it very well. Jeff does, you know, his sort of before and after pics of, it, you know, of his uh, of his handles, that kind of thing. Um, it is difficult. But with regards to sort of long, longevity and stuff of Instagram, who knows? It's it's just so difficult. I mean, at the moment, it's I think for makers, it's the only platform that's that's worthy of being on. Really, um, Twitter, Instagram, sorry, Twitter and Facebook have a very different audience. Um, and you know, you, you can do certain things on Instagram now. You can you can put a, you know a buy it buy now on 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 a, on your uh, p- posts, so people can buy a knife directly um, via. You Instagram. mean swipe up? No, no. That well, that's only for stories, obviously. You can swipe up in stories, um, but obviously they disappear. But actually, in your main posts now, if you're using Shopify, which I've talked about in the past, yeah. and they're, they're, they're not a sponsor anyway, by the way, by the way, um, you can you can have a, a buy now button. Um, and I've done that with a, a few times with a few of my knives. I know um, Toma at uh, Florentine does it as well. Um, so yeah. people can buy directly within Instagram. You know, you you click on the buy now, and it just brings up the cart for your credit card details, and you buy. So that's available now with Shopify if you've got Shopify store. But I think that integration is going to be is going to be more and more. We're going to see more and more of that buy-in directly via Instagram. Absolutely. Um, but it's it's difficult. It's difficult. And you know, 
I was, I was speaking to, about this with my wife the other day, saying, you know, what, what's going to be the future platform? Because Insta, it's not going to last forever. Everything's going to be taken over at some point. Right. Um, and it's probably going to be, you know, maybe even, you know, Alexa, order me that knife I've just seen on TV. You know, I think things are going to be more integrated. I'm not saying we're going to have our knives on TV and all the rest of it, but I think things will just become more and more integrated. So your website and your Instagram will be will just be as one. Um, and I just think you'll be able to buy anything everywhere, not necessarily, you know, always linking back to your website to buy it. Because that's the biggest struggle half the time. First of all, it's getting people on your website. Then it's getting them to, you know, to find what they want. Then it's getting them to click right through, through to the cart. Then it's to get them to, you know, to go upstairs and find their credit card, come back downstairs, enter the details. Yeah. These are all sort of stopping points. And I think it's just become a lot more frictionless for people to buy in the future. And I think Instagram has sort of started to take those steps now. Um, but with regards to, you know, longevity of Instagram, I don't know. I don't know. But at the moment, I think it's the only platform, certainly for me, it's the only platform that's working, that's getting my message out there and that are selling my knives. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I will say uh, that's, I mean, perfect. I, it is funny that, you know, nowadays, you know, people aren't really watching television anymore. They're they're doing everything's now, uh, but, you know, YouTube and Instagram and stuff like that. And you're getting people to have the opportunity to be their own public relations department. Mm. And you're creating that, you know, the idea of the stories is you're, 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 you're having people who are following you already. You're telling them little quick little stories. One thing I am trying to do is I'm trying to cut back on my time on social media because, like, it is starting to affect, and I've said this before, and not just affecting my family life, which it is a little bit, but... It's also affecting my productivity. Sometimes I'm on too much, and, 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 and I'm very aware of that. And it's starting to become a thing where actually I was on the phone with Tony yesterday, and he, I was referring to talk about Instagram, and I made some comment about, hey, that guy's on Instagram a lot. And he goes, I said, he's almost on as much as me. And then there was a silence, and, he said, and, the sil- and Tony says, he says, he said, well, that was, that's, quite an, uh, then that's quite a thing. You know, he basically was making a joke about the fact that I'm on Instagram all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, not, I'm actually not doing as many live streams anymore. Um, I got this now, so I, I, I spent it on this, but it is becoming, it is becoming, I don't really, I need to be more efficient in the shop, less yeah. on this. And I got, I'm starting to budget my time in terms of, hmm. but that, you know, that's interesting what you said about, you know, everybody's got this, this platform now to put out what they want. Um, you know, and it used to, it used to be the case where only sort of big, big, you know, big companies had a big marketing budget and they can do, and they, and they can, you know, they could get their story out and they could reach a big audience. But now everybody's on an equal playing field. You know, mm-hmm. you, Not- you just need a, a, you know, a phone, a connection, and you can put your story out there as well. You've got just as much power as, you know, the big, big brands out there. And um, not to mention, we're doing a better, most of us, most of you are doing a better job than the professionals. Definitely. Because I've dealt with, I've dealt with public relations departments recently from different companies. They suck. I mean, they really <laughs> suck. I actually, I also, I also spent some time with a couple of uh, uh, social media experts or people who are like, our char, their consultants, and they run people's social media. They suck too. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've gotten to the point now where I've seen people who are actually paid to do it. They do a terrible job. So you are going to do a better job than most of these people. And the, the key is all you have to do is give a shit. All you have to do is care yeah. and be a little bit consistent. You don't have to do it every day, but you consistency is the key. Consistency is definitely key. I think it's well, actually it's one of the things I struggle with the most. Uh, but going back to something you, you were saying, Jeff, about being on Instagram all the time. 
or, or more than uh, maybe you feel like is necessary and trying to figure out just like how to, I guess one of the things I've been trying to figure out the most is how to integrate it into my workflow that I'm already doing. And one of the things I, I've definitely want to be more better about and could more certainly be more better about is just remembering to stop periodically, whether it's every hour every couple hours to do an Instagram story just to keep people uh in I guess updated on what you got going on but I think the real opportunity in Instagram especially is that uh you know it's a it's a storytelling platform and as, as builders as makers as creators of things uh as artisans um <laughs> we we get to bring people along the journey of creating a thing and I think that's what people Really, I, I, it's actually pretty easy for us to create content. You just have to show your process of the build, and that will easily keep people engaged. And so, uh, you know, a lot of folks worry about the Instagram algorithms and stuff like that. And I, I think, and they're trying to think out the best content they could do. And all they have to do, especially if they're a maker, is just sh- share the process of them doing what they do day in and day out. They don't have to do anything crazy. They don't have to re- write really long copy uh, or, you know, captions under their photos. They just have to, you know, I think the biggest thing they could do uh, is just do that. But then after that, if you can, you know, take a few seconds to take a decent picture, that really helps share, uh, you know, I guess make it more engaging for people and more interesting for somebody to want to actually look at. Um, because of course, like if the blade, like if it's, especially if it's like a Damascus blade or something and the, the blades all blown out and which means there's like too much light, uh, reflecting back into the light, like it's not going to be interesting for somebody to look at, but if you kind of tighten everything up and kind of, you know, I guess vignette it in a way that makes it engaging. And then you can just write, you know, two or three sentences below it saying something meaningful about that portion of the process. I, I think that's the real op- opportunity in Instagram is to tell stories and, and share the process. And, you know, if you do that for your work, and uh, you'll, you're definitely going to build a community and, you know, it's, it's also a, a huge opportunity to build community and answer people's questions, engage with your audience, people who are following you. If you have, you know, 10 followers, or if you have a hundred thousand followers, you know, taking the time to uh you know answer people's questions or even like throw a heart out uh here and there uh make a huge difference in how people feel about engaging with you as a brand because realistically like we're all trying to establish ourselves as a brand as well as a personality because the personality is what helps uh people really differentiate between whether they want to buy uh you know one maker's knife or another's is like it is the price point is one thing that people can, uh, I guess, judge based off of, but also, you know, they ultimately people want to buy from somebody they like or from a brand or a company that they like. And if somebody is an asshole or is really whatever, like just, you know, they, they, a customer is always trying to, uh, you know, giving comments and all kinds of love and stuff and they just get nothing in return you know that's like being ignored by you know the the girl that you were super into and you know you did all these (laughs) nice things for her and nothing ever happened that was me actually going growing up and you know you just got no nothing back and so and i think some people think that game works maybe it does work maybe it doesn't i think uh the the stronger move is to build the community and engage back uh personally but yeah. yeah 
show process. I mean, I was on the the, the Fans of the Forge podcast this week. We recorded That's last right. weekend. You did a great job, by the way. Thank you very much. We were we were talking about process and stuff, and I said, well, you know, plumbers don't go online and share their process. You know, it'd, it'd be pretty boring if they did. But we're in this unique position where people are really interested in what we do. Um, so yeah, showing process really, you know, helps to tell that story and sort of informs people. And it also shows the amount of work that goes into a knife. So, you know, yeah. to, to help justify pricing, that kind of thing as well. Um, yeah, it's Instagram's the place to be for makers. So and like P.S. No more knife handpicks. Stop it. <laughs> Stop the handpicks. That's it. What he really means is he wants to see more handpicks. I say, stop it. Hey, cutie, stop the handpicks. <laughs> We've got another from, I think it's Cody Zhao. I think that's the name on Instagram. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? What are your tips for getting a good distill taper? This is a great question. And one I'm interested in what you guys got to say. For mm. those who don't know what a distal taper is, and I'm sure most of you do, certainly if you're making kitchen knives, you'll know. Um, let, let's say you, you hold the knife so you're looking down the spine. It's that point that the spine comes to, the very tip of the blade. Um, and there's a couple of ways to get that distal taper. So one is actually just with the design of the knife. If you, if you put your knife to the side and if your tip is much, much lower than your spine, when it comes to grinding, you're going to get a natural distal taper anyway because the grind line is going to be above where the tip is. So that'll give you that sort of natural distal taper. Um, but how do you take that further? What do you guys do? That's actually interesting. I've never even thought about that, Craig, what you just Me talked neither. about. <laughs> that has never crossed my mind. Me neither. I, yeah, I the lower your I, tip, the more yeah. of a natural distal tape you'll no, have. That makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Yeah. As long as you're on that, as long as you're grinding at a very even rate on with a jig. And parallel to the ground. And parallel yeah, to the yeah. ground. Yes. Um, Not necessarily with a jig, but yes, yeah, yeah. I unfortunately don't have any good advice. <laughs> Even though I I I have great uh, distal taper, but I just eyeball. I just use my eyes. I just look at it. If it looks right, then I then I'm happy. If if but I do. I spend a lot of time sighting down the blade, especially along the spine side when I'm doing my initial grinding, finish grinding. Um, And if it looks like it needs a little bit more off that one side or another, I just hit that side on the grinder and grind a little bit more off until it looks right. So basically, what I'm saying is. Once I start losing my eyesight and need glasses, I'm going to basically be screwed. So. <laughs> I will tell you a, a trick. All right, so so there you can't forge it. You can't forge in a distal taper. But for just a for stock removal, putting in a distal taper, if you put a little bit of blue on the spine of your knife yep. and then just make a mark, um, making that you know from the from where the wherever you want your distal taper, mark both sides. But then you, you on the grinder at a 45 degrees. You hit that the the spine up to the grinder, uh, forty five degrees of the spine, the corner of the spine of the knife. You'll create the distal taper just at the top, and that does that make sense? So yeah, yeah. Just to be clear, you're talking so you're about just carving... a blade that was full thickness, right? Right. If you're if yeah. you're doing stock removal full thickness, you mark your distal taper on the on the uh, on the top of the spine, and then just on the grinder, you cut the edge. You cut the edge of the corner of the spine. So you're up to those lines, and then once you have those lines cut in, then when you ha- you know what your distal taper is. So when you're grinding down the knife, all you have to do is make sure your edge meets up to where your mm. spine is. Does that make sense? That yeah. does. Is make that confusing? 
no, no. It was it no. actually it's a super it's a super quick way that you don't have to constantly look because you've if you've already spent the time just cutting down that distal taper on the corners of your spine, then by the time you get to the point where you're grinding you're grinding all the excess off, you know where you have to go to. You know you're done once you once you you don't have any more of uh, that for, even that 45 degrees gone. Right. Nice. No, that that makes perfect sense. Actually, I <laughs> that is what I used to do when I worked for Bob because we would start with uh, plate and we do stock removal and that's how we would establish uh, the blade geometry before heat treat so we would primary grind and that's exactly what we would do uh so it's a fast it's a it's a pretty it's an easy way you don't have to you don't have to kill yourself that's for sure well and it, it works great if you're starting with full thickness but uh, like my blades i'm forging the distal taper and you can't it doesn't work with the distal ta- yeah. the blade that already has a distal taper in it and so that's why unfortunately <laughs> my advice sucks is that you just gotta kind of eyeball it and hopefully you got good eyesight yeah, but we got lines. it all. We all talked it out. We got it all. We got it all. All right. This next question is from Thick Nice Knives. <laughs> Thick Nice. Uh, no. Uh, he says my hydrangeas are just ne- uh, just never have quite as blue as I'd like. How can I get the color to really pop? It's a pH issue, right? You, are you guys right. got a you guys got a green thumb? Uh, we actually ash, ash in the soil. I actually, you know, it's funny because THC wrote that and I was just like, you know what? I had that problem. So hydrangeas, as you know, are plants and they have their, they're great. What the fuck? Who cares? They're fine. <laughs> if you want to get them blue, you have to make the soil more acidic. So go, go, go over to all your, your, uh, all your acids, grab a little vinegar, chuck a little vinegar on the, on the ball, on the ball of your root. <laughs> I don't know what that's making me laugh. And then there you go, blue. Or get some fucking blue rustoleum and spray the goddamn paint. What, 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 what do we have? Green thumb thing? Come on, man. Hey, cutie, get <laughs> some vinegar. How did even make that in here? That's not a nice question. You know why? I tell you what, I had a couple. I, I wrote the thing. I said, it doesn't have to be knife questions. I'm kind of oh, hoping. We have, right. another, we have another question in here that I hope we get to. Um, that it's not a knife question that I I'm looking forward that. That's one of my favorite questions coming up. <laughs> But uh, there you go. So thick, go get some ferric chloride and throw it on your plants. All right. Next question from our boy, Hall Blades. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Why do some people list their knives with the money amount right up front and others say DM me for info? Thanks. The podcast is awesome. I don't like to talk money on the Internet. How do you like that? I don't want to fucking. Because no. then all of a sudden you start to put your numbers on and then some dickhead is going to say, oh, why is it that much? Then you know, only this guy can get I can get this for. You don't want to get involved with these fucking people. And if they're really interested, they're going to go. They're going to email you and they're going to get you. But if you start doing the whole, you know, oh, it's only for three hundred dollars and this, this asshole is going to say, oh, I can get I can get it for two fifty. You don't want to you don't want that. Hmm. I do, I do occasionally. Occasionally, I'll, I'll put the, the price up. If it's a knife that I finished that is, you know, like a stock knife that I'm just going to put up on the website to sell, um, I will. But, yeah, you do get a yes. lot of those comments saying, well, it's well, a, why is, yeah. That's the reason why every one of you selling their T-shirt, they're all on the same page. Because if we, one guy said, I'm selling my T-shirts for 75 bucks plus shipping, everybody would be like, what the fuck? I can get one for 20 over at knifetalk.net. Well, 30. 20, 23. <laughs> 23, 30, yeah, right. What do you think, Marek? Go with it, you know, pricing up front or, you know, almost sort of obscuring, hiding the price and and waiting for that, um, for the inquiry to come in? Well, I I don't put prices out there really because 
uh, with as uh, variable as my builds can be, it's hard to just say any kind of number, really, because it really depends on what kind of elements people want actually put into the thing. And, and there are just so many factors, it's hard to really put a round number on anything. Um, so that's that's basically why I don't really put any prices out there is because, you know, it really kind of depends on what you want built. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. My name is and on Instagram. Um, hey, man, can I ask you a question? Does Josh Scott of Josh Scott Knives have unusually large eyes to anyone except me? <laughs> you know, I got this. I read this one and I was just like, let's see how big his fucking eyes are. The boy's got some big old eyes. You see in the dark. Josh Scott's got some big old bug yeah. eyes. He got bug, he got googly eyes. Some big old googly eyes. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> He's back, baby. This guy's back. <laughs> he has a big old googly eyes, Josh Scott. Let's go on to the next question. All right, love next, you, Josh. Love the you, next Josh. question is from... I like you. I like you. I don't love you. I like you. That's fine. <laughs> the next question is from Paul M. Uh, dot fr. He says, have you ever used a tire hammer? Uh, what are you th- your thoughts on it? Do you think building one is a good alternative to buying a power hammer? Jeff? Well... I have very good experience in this situation, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain why I did what I did. I do have a tire hammer, and I actually had the, I made the conscious effort to get a tire hammer for this reason. If you get an, if you get, I mean, I would love an Anyang. Johnson, if you're listening, James Johnson, you're listening. I'd love an Anyang, but however, you know, getting some of these pieces of equipment service, if you're not a very handy guy, can be on the tricky side. So when I decided to get a, a, a tire hammer as my first hammer, and I only have a tire hammer, I, I felt comfortable with the fact that it's all steel parts, and, it, and I'm, a, I'm a good welder, I'm a good fabricator, I can replace all the parts if I have to. I don't have to call the hammer whisperer to come up to, to fix it, I don't have to like, you know, be you know, moping around while I got a cracked frame or whatever. A tire hammer is something if you are very handy, you can do the maintenance relatively easy. Or if you're lucky like me, you got Cliff Dufton not too far away. He comes up and he's my hammer whisperer. Yeah, boy, you know, he'll <laughs> fix whatever you got. But I will say that if I had, if I had around me, if I had the opportunity to have, um, like I always wanted a little giant, but it, it did get me a little nervous about all the fittings and all the belts and all the, you know, adjustment. It's what you can do. So I think that um, sometimes in this situation with this tire hammer, it does what I want it to do. Is it perfect? For sure it's not. But for what I need to get out of it, it worked right for me right now. It works fine. And I can fix it if I have to. I got to get back up to your shop and use that thing. I don't think I've actually should, hit underneath it. You're coming up. We're coming up on, uh, we, got a, we got a secret hammering coming up, right? That's, that's your call. It's your shop, man. No, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We got, we got, one, we got one coming up at the Modern Forge Boys. Okay. Remember? Yeah. It's that secret. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's in, it'll, be in, uh, it'll be in October. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Next question. This is my favorite question of the whole podcast. This is from Brotherhood Knives. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Big Mac or Whopper? Whopper, Whopper all day. All day. All day Whopper. You fucking two are crazy. I no. cannot believe you went with a Whopper over a Big Mac. <laughs> no, of course. Flame I'm grilled taste. Flame grilled taste. I am stunned. I am blown away that you both said Whopper over Big Mac. 
All, we also I said don't even all know what day. To say. Both, both of us said all day. Yeah, yeah. This is this is this is now this is now the sh- most shocking thing both of you have said to me. How can you like a Whopper over Big Mac? If you're going to eat bullshit fast food, don't you want something that's an original thing? A Big Mac is an original thing that's its own thing. The bullshit Whopper just tastes like some bullshit hamburger that you're going to get at a shitty place. No, no it's, oh, it's, fl- it's that flame. It's that. It's it's got more of a smoke, smoky taste than a big, a big Mac. Come is, on, man. They're like two little bits of cardboard with some funky sauce over the top. Throw in a few pickles and I think they're done. It's you not. The, the, the Whopper has a bit more care gone into that. It's a, Get it's a the thicker fuck burger. out of here. You're it's crazy. And, it's a, it's and, a proper burger. And, oh, pro, oh, this is stunning to me. This is stunning to me. I, I, I will say that it also depends on what state you're in. Because growing up in New York, I was, I was, a, I was a latchkey kid. That means my parents divorced. They both worked. I lived in an apartment. So... I was constantly eating McDonald's, but the McDonald's in Manhattan is like, it's like they sat on it. But if, you, but then when I went out to college in Ohio, they look, the burgers look like the pictures. I mean, it was stunning. So it do, does depend on where you go, but you're both wrong. And, and that's all I'm going to say. The, fr- the fries, the fries are better at McDonald's, McDonald's, I'd say. You have? I worked at What McDonald's. was the best part? It was the very first job. And... The the sauce on the Big Mac, I just it's not my thing. I'm not into Dude, it. Dude, I need to know more about McDonald's. What was it like working at McDonald's? Uh, I mean, as a as a 15, 16 year old kid, it was fine. <laughs> did you know. eat Did you eat breakfast there? What's that? Did you ever eat breakfast there? Yeah, actually, the breakfast is where it's the, at. The things I liked the most was it was just like the pan. Yeah, the 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 pancakes, and sausage, and egg, and cheese, and eggs. Was that like, what was now, that again? A sausage, egg, and cheese on a mu- on a, on English muffin is where it's at. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I prefer right. making well, one I, at home. All right. Well, of course, of course. Now, now it makes sense to me. Now it makes sense to me why you want a Whopper over burger over. I, I, you you have good reason to want Whopper over uh, Big Mac. Yeah, you're sick you, of them. You've, you've seen the sausage being early. made. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. Get a Big Mac. <laughs> In, in in Europe, I'm not sure if they if they do it in the US, but they've stopped doing it in Europe now. Burger King used to do the the mushroom Swiss burger, and it was mm. a normal burger, but they had mushrooms on top with the Swiss cheese. Man, right. that was good. That, that was, was good. very good. Better. Did, were you? Did you ever work at the McDonald's when they had the McRib? Yes. That's the best of all time. No. <laughs> the sickest <laughs> I've ever been ever in my entire life from fast food was after eating McRib. How many? I think I had just like two of them. Those All are, they're, right, they're there you go. One per customer, man. Can't have two of them. Oh, I can. Oh, I fucking love a McRib. <laughs> That's where I learned about barbecue is from a McRib. The barbecue <laughs> sauce with the I'm pickle and the black pepper and the onion. Learned about barbecue. Jesus. That's where I fucking learned. I, I was in New York. They don't have good barbecue in New York now. They have good barbecue in New York, but it was the pickle, the Thanks onion, and the pepper Mays. and the barbecue sauce. Yeah. Pardon me? I said thanks to Daisy Mays, Mr. Adam Perry Lang brought the barbecue to New York. Well, yes, yes, but, uh, you know, if we're talking McDonald's, I mean, McRib is the best, but let's just, <laughs> oh I, maybe we should be done with this. All right, next question. <laughs> Still shocked. Still shocked. Go ahead. All right, this next one is from K- Crazy Kid 1801 uh, He says, what specific knife do you use the most in the kitchen? Either one of my sort of rejects, or I use one of Thomas, one of Thomas Florentine knives, which is you know standard eight inch 
Western style chef knife, which is pretty much what I make myself too. I'm it bringing really one of those back. I'm bringing one of those back from Barcelona, by the way. They're good. They are very good. I'm bringing one of them back. Get one for me, too. I'll, I'm on it. I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. You see, your wish is my command. I'm on it. I'm on it. Uh, I, uh, go, go ahead. ahead. Jinx. Go ahead. Uh, I Jinx. use, uh, I made a, a chef's knife for my wife, and we use that a lot for bigger stuff, but for small stuff, we actually, this is embarrassing, I don't have any of my own paring knives, so we have just these, like, shitty little plastic-handled paring knife uh, that we use for just cutting up little stuff, um, and that probably actually gets used the most, because it's stainless little piece of shit paring knife, and we're not doing any big work with, uh, for the most part, so... It's like cutting up food for the dude, and that's pretty much it. So we just use a little stainless steel paring knife. One knife that I've been using a lot lately, and I'm the same way. I have I get all the rejects. Is I did a uh, I the last knife I did of the year was I made one of my eight inch uh, hybrid Gyodos with out of sixteenth inch steel. Like I got a pile of sixteenth inch steel. I thought I'm gonna heat treat it at the thickness, and I made this knife out of the sixteenth inch steel, and that's all I use. I'm I'm shocked at how good it is. I, I really like it a lot. The point where we're going to start to do a kind of a, a less expensive knife out of this 16th inch steel. Um, I want to start doing them for uh, for Christmas for next year. So I've been using that as an eight inches uh, K tip, and uh, it's got a walnut handle. Um, it's a very nothing special knife, but I, I use it all the time. I I really like it very much. Full tang, so hidden tang. Uh, full tang. It's a full tang knife. What's the thickness of your normal knives then? Uh, three thirty seconds, or to the, some of the spines of my handle are an eighth. Okay, means nothing to me. <laughs> all right, all right. We're, here we go. All right. All right. So it's uh, three point one seven millimeters, ah, or okay. two point three eight millimeters. That's pretty go. much what I use. All right. Well, there you pretty go. Much. Okay. We went through a there lot. Back to Big Macs. Come on. Where, where are we at? All right. So the next question comes from Ark Boulder. Ark Boulder. Would you purchase a 36-inch radius platen or a 14-inch contact wheel if you could only purchase one for making S grinds and concave grinds? Bill Benke. Obviously, he does a radius platen. Um, yeah. We all have them. They're great. Yeah. Um, I, I would definitely uh, 14 inch wheels that's a big wheel isn't it it is a big wheel but it's still like it's it's completely different from a, a large rate like a 36 inch radius um, yeah because basically a 14 inch wheel is only a 7 inch radius and so that is a very tight curve that you're grinding and I unfortunately I, I think a 14 inch is just too too tight Small. Yeah, yeah it's too and so you have to get, at least for the way I grind mine, uh, to get a tall hollow uh, above the convex edge reveal, um, you'd have to go super deep into the material. And I just, the other, so the problem with that is that it's just not, I, I don't feel like it's sustainable over the life of the knife versus the large 36 radius, uh, 36 inch radius platen. You don't have, to get that height, you don't have to go very deep. Like, literally only maybe 20 or 30 thousandths of an inch. Um, actually, and that's at the deepest point. I think it's actually really only about 20 thousandths. So, um, but the reality is, so as you grind, sharpen the knife and you remove material, as you grow, work your way up into thicker, thicker portion of the cross-section of the knife, 
you're actually losing that hollow, which is a good thing because that means, uh, you know, you, you know, as you work your way up, you're not basically killing that knife and after about, you know, an inch of use. And then you're in that deep hollow that you would get with a 14 inch wheel, uh, with the, with the large wheel or large radius platen, you, you know, if anything, you'd have to cut it back in, which isn't that big of a deal. Or you just, at that point, when your knife's only an inch tall, now you have a slicer and you don't really need the S grind at that point. Um, so. Yeah, I, this is a, I, I this is a good radius. one. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good, that's a real good answer. Yeah, because the, the, those, a 14 inch wheel would be good for like, you know, hollow grinding and, oh, yeah. and, and it's, doing it's those great for scanty hunters. grinds and stuff like that. Yeah, but, yeah. but for like an Straight S grind, razors. you're going to end up with like a, you're going to end up with like a thin guy. You're right. 100%. Perfect. Perfect. I'm not even going to add to it. You're perfect. So the answer is, get yourself a Bill Banky radius Go, Bill Banky's been doing awesome. Get your file guys from Bill. Get your radius platens from Bill. They'll, uh, they're very, they're great. Go yeah. ahead. Okay, I like this one. HNH Metalworks. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? I'm a young maker. He's only 13. Um, can't legally work yet. So should I put the hours in knife making or real job? I'm, I mean, if you're 13, I mean, you make knives. Watch your you, language. Watch your language, Craig. You, <laughs> you'll give the best Christmas presents ever. You won't be giving away these shitty pencil holders they've made oh, in school. Oh, nice. There you go. You'll be it's giving 13. away these. What are you cursing at 13-year-olds, Craig? Ah, well, ah, you know, sorry. But, um, yeah, just just make and give them away as gifts. And by the time you come to start selling your knives, you're going to be 100 knives in, and you're going you're gonna to be ahead of the game. Why are you cursed at that little bastard? What are you doing? What's the matter with you? What's the matter? This little bastard wants our help. You're going to curse at him. Don't curse at him. Listen. Uh, listen, you little prick. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm with you, my brother. I'm with you, my brother. Listen. Whatever John. Whatever John. Just, just work with your hands. Making stuff is the same if you're a cook or if you're working in a... Just... Keep doing your thing. You're only 13. Stay in school and keep making knives. And don't worry about your job. Just yeah. do what you got to yeah. do, man. That's a good <laughs> thing. Don't worry. Don't worry about your job. Get that's, 13, that's the best for God's sakes. Oh, is he one of these kids from the UK that you, you can either stop going to school or, and start a job or keep stay in school? I don't know. These little bastards. They who knows what you they can't do? can't do that in the UK at 13? Uh, 16. <laughs> 16. 16. Oh, He's yes, not like yes, a yeah. chimney sweep. This kid, is gonna, they're going to stick him in the coal mines. Just go back to school. <laughs> Just go back to school, you little bastard. Stop it. Stop listening <laughs> to the podcast. Go back to school. <laughs> I'm with you, my brother. You're my boy. You come to the United States, you come, come and hang out with me. You come to the shop. I don't care if you're 13. I'll put you to work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this next one is from Crypt, Crypt ID Knives. Uh, he says, hey, man, can I ask you a question? What is a good way to clean up grind marks close to the plunge line? I'm working on a cheap uh, 4x36 grinder, and sometimes it makes it very difficult. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're not using a file guide, um, again, a bail bounty file guide, um, a lot of mine don't have... Um, don't have hard plunge lines, so I soften them right up. So just use a, a surface conditioning belt. Um, yeah, like the and Scotch belt's going to be They'll tight. just blend those in nicely, and you're not going to have that hard line, and it, it, it'll work out good. But a 4x36, I don't think you're going to find a Scotch-Brite belt with a 4x36. 
That's a that's gonna be a tough one. That's gonna be a tough know. order. Possibly, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, the the plunge line's tricky, and and I I you know without the uh, without the two by seventy two grinder, I couldn't really have done the plunge line comfortably and efficiently. But uh, I do. My, my, I really, it's the disc grinder for me that makes sure that that plunge line's kind of on the crispy side. But a Bill Banky file guide will keep your plunges straight and it'll stop you when you need to be you might have to move your you're gonna have to play with the tracking on your belt to make sure that your belt is proud of the platen a little bit but um that was what i would do i would i would play with the tracking make sure that whatever side you're on your you know the the belt is tracking proud of the platen and then have a, a file guide on and the file guide's gonna stop you from going crazy I think uh, these 4x36 grinders, these are the kind that you would see as like an upright belt grinder in a wood shop or something, right? Right, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. So I've seen, uh, I saw this one guy who, uh, the way he addressed that problem is he actually cut out using his bow, bow, bow angle grinder. <laughs> um, he cut out a portion of the body of the grinder along where the one of the edges of the belt tracks and he just cut that out using a cutoff disc that way he can go straight up to the edge of the belt but he still has that backing support of the kind of the metal of of the grinder body and that's where you would run your file guide right up to the edge too so it's not going to go past that but then you can also take the edge of the belt right up to your right up to your plunge line um that is a strong move right there because then you then you can then, then if you cut off that excess, then your 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 belt is running flat on the platen, and you can get right tight up into that yep. plunge line, right up right up to the edge. Yeah, outstanding. Bow, bow, bow. I love it when you do that. By the way. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a show. That's a show. And Wait, I'm, we didn't do the beefs. No beefs. I haven't got a beef. Have you got a beef this week? You've got, always oh, got a beef. I, I, mean, got one, I, got beef. I have one beef. I have one beef that's that – I'm sorry for interrupting. I know that's, that's, a, that's a show. We're going a little extra. I tell you what. I fucking uh, – this is something about Facebook I'll never understand. People feel like if they find a meme or something with some words that's either enlightening or scolding, they think that if they copy and paste it, people th- – you're going to – I'm going to think you're a smart person. You're not enlightened. Stop scolding me or teaching me with a meme. It's so annoying. This is an original thought. This isn't nuanced. This is bullshit. And I know part of you saying Vader's on Facebook. Yeah, because it's old people. And guess what old people have? They got money. And those motherfuckers pay for knives. So that's the reason why I'm on Facebook. And I have an old family. that They're the ones just like that guy. They send me pictures of anvils. I don't understand the whole meme thing. I certainly don't understand taking a complex problem in, in the world and summing it up with some very easy, smart-ass, smarmy meme. That annoys, that's so annoying. And if you're doing that and I'm looking at you, I'm guaranteeing you, I think less of you. I don't think, you, that, you're, I don't think that you're a guru. I don't think that you're going to fix my life. I don't think you're going to fix anybody's life. I feel like it's not. Swear to me! I feel like it's the modern take, uh, like it's like a political cartoons, but but now it's a dumb way to learn. Everybody spends their time on Facebook and stuff, and so they're repurposing these images and putting oh. a, usually non-contextual copy over the top of the image to make mm. to give 
you know, give people a laugh for the most part. It's or scolding. It's like being scold. scolded. Like when you scold someone. I mean, this is the problem of the world. Everybody's scolding everybody. Are you but hating you the scolding, memes people are writing of you from the Epicurean video? I like those. I like, like the memes that people made of me. Yeah, I'm talking about like these political issues or these very sure, complex sure. geopolitical see. issues where you sum it up with like Kermit the Frog drinking fucking tea. It's it's, it's like it's, 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 leave me alone. This is no way to learn. This is no way to have a dialogue <laughs> or debate. It's 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 scolding and it's annoying and it's it's a winner and a loser. It's not coming together. It's not coming together like this wonderful community at Knife Talk. And if you go to knifetalk.net and join the forum, you can stop DMing us these ridiculous questions and go ask those motherfuckers. And that is all I have to say. Well, the beef. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I had a micro beef. Extra innings, baby. (laughs) Go for the beef. Extra innings. This is a big Mac. Two bits of beef here. (laughs) Yeah, two pieces, baby. Two all beef patties. Uh, That's right. So. My beef is with microfiber towels. I don't understand them. And they, <laughs> what is a microfiber time, towel? I'm going. I'm I'm cooking in the kitchen. I need to dry my hands off before I start doing something else. We have a microfiber towel sitting there that absorbs nothing, and yeah. so I'm just wiping my hands on on it, but nothing's coming off. In fact, it's somehow feels like it's making my hand wetter. Uh, but <laughs> we always yeah. have these silly ass microfiber towels. I don't know. Most of the time we get them as gifts, but we, they're nice for decoration, but they are the most worthless pieces of shit in the world. Side and, towels are important. You're a restaurant guy. You got to have a lot of side towels. Yeah, exactly. So side got to have a lot key. of side towels. And, and, and if just to let you all, the listeners know, if you're using an oven mitt, you're out. You got to get the side towel. Get yourself a nice dry side towel, and if it's wet because you wiped on the counter, don't pick up your hot pan. That's number two. Boom, boom. Top tips. Top tips. Right? Can I say this safely now? <laughs> yeah. That's a show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you very much for listening. Um, we shall be back again next Monday. We've got a special show lined up very soon. So yes. we had great fun doing our quizzes. Um, and I'm not going to say who won, but I will say who won. It was me. Well, what the fuck? What are you? Spoiler alert. You won. You won both. (laughs) Um, but we're going to pit ourselves against each other. So all three of us, and we're going to have a guest who's going to be the, the quiz host. And we have them lined up too, right? That's all lined up. So that's in a couple of weeks. Um, but we shall see you next Monday. That's That's what I love. (laughs) I love that. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.